Okay, Erev Tov, welcome to tonight's Parshas Lech Lecha class. Oh, I did not give out any sheets. That would help if I gave out sheets. And I figure we, 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 all need, we need a break from talking about Eretz Yisrael. So this will totally just be regarding our own self-development. Okay, good. Okay, we'll We'll leave it at that for uh, I like tonight. That line, um, I, I did send out today uh, in the Arab Shabbos Drush section uh, timely words for today. If you subscribe, you get it automatically. If not, just go to the Torah Cast site and look at Arab Shabbos Drush and was. Um, no, no, today I made it today at like eleven o'clock. I didn't. I didn't send it out in an email. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Baruch Hashem. So what's the bracha? I wrote it down. You're not going to have time to, to, to look. I know. I wanted to tell much to practice. I wrote it down. I wanted to practice. Three words. Likadesh. Shemo. Barabim. Okay, good. Okay, anyway. All right. Anyway, we're not going to talk about any of that today. Okay, let's let's begin with the opening words of the parsha. Vayomer Hashem el Avram. Hashem spoke to Avram. Lech lechom Go for your own sake from your land. from your birthplace. from the house of your father. Ela aretz Asher areka to the land that I will show you. Next pasuk. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. So Ramban says a very famous statement in this week's Parsha that guides us through all of Sefer Bereshis from this point on. It's called Masa Avot Siman Labanim. So whatever happened to the patriarchs, that is telling us a lot about ourselves and what will happen in the future. All these uh, stories are foreshadowing what our potentials are and what uh, will eventually happen. Now, before we came to this Parsha, all we knew about last week is that Terach gave birth to Avram and Avram married Sarah. That's all we know about Avram. At this point in the parsha, we're introduced to Avram as he is at age 75. And the Midrashim tell us a lot about Avram. That as when he was three years old, he began to recognize Hashem. His father Terach was an idol worshiper. The Ramban in the beginning of his uh, Mishnah Torah about the laws of idol worship goes into great detail about Avram. Avram was a thinker, and he wanted to think of where did this world come from. The manager says that it's a marshal to a person who sees a, a city on fire, and he wants to know who's in charge of the city, and Hashem comes and says, I'm in charge of the city. We know that Avram had to endure many, many struggles. One is he had to hide away from Nimrod, who had a price tag on his head, and he hid in a cave for many years. We know the famous story of him being thrown in the fiery furnace and he comes out alive. It's a lot of stories that we are told about Avram. 
Yet, the Torah only begins discussing Avram at age 75 and nothing that he did beforehand. And the question is why? Why? It seems to me it's very important to tell us that he was willing to go against the whole world. Seems pretty important. Willing to be thrown into a fiery furnace? It's just hinted to in last week's Parsha. They left Ur Kazim. It's just a little hint that it happened there. And that might even be one of the tests, right? According to Rashi, yeah. it's one of the tests. According to the Rambam, it's not. But that makes it even more a question why it wouldn't be in the Torah. Why wouldn't it be in the Torah, according to Rashi? According yeah. to Rambam, you understand. Right. He didn't put it as a test. And then you have to ask, according to Rambam, why is it not a test? Right. Okay. Then, source number two, the Yalkut Shimoni tells us, it's interesting, it says Lech Lecha here, and it says Lech Lecha before the Akedis Yitzchak. So the Yalkut Shimoni says, I don't know which which test is more beloved, the first one or the second one. But then he brings a textual proof from the fact that says, go away to the land of Moriah, we see that the second one is more beloved than the first one. Okay, I'm not really going to care which one is more beloved. But one thing's for sure, it seems that this first test seems to be a mighty big test. And the question is, why is, is the Yalkut like not sure? Why is it not sure? I mean, leaving your home is a very hard thing. I'm not minimizing it. If I would just tell you to leave home and I'm not telling you where to go, I'm not saying it's not a hard test. But to kill your son, I don't know how that couldn't be it's even a question mark. Oh, we're not sure which one is... What do you mean we're not sure? How can we not be sure? Leaving, leaving everything behind is, is such a big... I mean, I'm not, I'm not minimizing, but you put the two together. Okay, I'm going to give you a choice. You can leave home or kill your kid. Well, let me see which one is the harder thing to do. You know, so... And the medrash say, well, we're not really sure. If it wasn't for a textual proof, we would not be sure. The question is why. So, let us uh, understand something here that uh, Rav Hirsch says, and it's obvious in the Torah, but Judaism starts with Avram. And all these psukim about Avraham and what his trials and tribulations are, says Rav Hirsch, is like the visa that a person needs to be able to enter into Judaism. It could be a visa to go to Israel, but certainly a visa to enter into one's Judaism. And words, what does it mean to be a Jew is defined by Avram. So I'm sure there's a lot of things we know about Avram that we could say about him. Courageous, being willing to be on one side while the world's on the other yeah. side, yeah. willing to risk your life willing to make Aliyah when conditions are not favorable. There's a lot of things. And I'm not denying any of that. But we have to always go to the core issue over here. The core issue. Not everybody will be in a position that he has to fight against the whole world. What if you're a Jew who lives in good times and everybody's being good? Not everyone is going to be forced to make a decision to give up his life. No one's going to have to necessarily be put in a position to give up their children. No one is necessarily going to have to go to war. A lot of things that Avram did, I don't know if we're going to do any of them. 
Maybe chesed. I mean, not every. I mean, there are some soldiers, you know, who are going to war now, but most Jews are not going to war. So there's a lot of things that Avram did, and they're very virtuous. But I, I want to explore the common denominator. That is the critical point over here that we have to look for that that cornicuda. When we get to that cornicuda, then we can really appreciate what that cornicuda is, and it's for each and every one of us. Okay, and therefore, if you wanna, if you wanna, the, there's a condition here that if you wanna be the nation who received the Torah of, of, of Sinai. You want to be considered as a child of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. We must all, in one way or another, go through Lech Lecha, Miyartzecha, Mimoladecha, Mibes, Avicha. Okay, so instead of making you guess, I'm going to tell you the answer right away. And I like to hold it back as long as possible. But uh, we'll just say it straight out. Can I just ask one thing, though? Sure, you could ask. <laughs> many, many ways to give up your children. I mean, you know, physically, but spiritually as well. And at times of good, sometimes you lose your children because they go off the derrick. And so, you know. Yeah, but, but, but no, I'm not denying that. But it doesn't, uh, to be a good Jew, you don't necessarily have to do any of the things that Avram did. Right. In other words, those, they, are, those are good examples, but they may not necessarily have to apply to you. But if they come about, you would do that. Yes, but that, but that is not enough, because what if they don't happen to me? So how do I know I'm really doing okay. what Avram does? I hear. Okay. In other words, it's, everything Avram did is laudable, mm -hmm. amazing. But what if you live in a time where there's peace? You don't have to go to war. Mm -hmm. And you go to a time, I mean, how many of you uh, expect your spouse to be captured by Paro? <laughs> and Avimelech. But there's different. And to take on another wife. And, you know, it could be none of these will happen. And even uh, subtleties or similarities may never happen. You may have a model family. Your wife will have be pregnant right away. You're going to have 10 tzaddikim for children. You're going to have wealth, no hunger, uh, no war. So then what are, what are you learning from us? So there's got to be a common core issue. That, there's got to be something that every one of us has to be able to find. And that's the trick. What is the core issue over here? And the answer that the rabbis give is that we know, for example, uh, well, maybe just to hold it off for a little while. A little more suspense. Just to hold up for a little while. I think it's right there. I'm not looking. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I, I should read ahead. I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, you tend to go uh, a little I bit know, ahead. I can't help it. Yes. <laughs> so the Gemara Bracha, source number three, fascinating. Reb Shimbar Yochai says Hashem gave three gifts to the Jewish people, and all of them are received only with suffering: mm. Torah, Eretz Yisrael, and Oilam Haba. And they bring proofs to that. So there is an obvious question. What does a gift mean? When was the last time you gave someone a gift? Okay, you've been invited to weddings lately, Baruch Hashem. Did David get any gifts? He did. Yes. Did your children get gifts? 
Why was it called a gift? This is not a trick question. It's not a trick question. to him, it was a, was somebody. Well, what 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 makes something a gift? A, no a, strings being, attached. No strings attached. You got it. The kid gets a three hundred sixty dollar check for wedding gift, uh, provided that you come to my house and build my sukkah <laughs> and take it down. Whoa, that's not called a gift. We could call a lot of other words for it. It could be a, 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 a it could be salary, but a gift it ain't. Well, you want this gift? You got to suffer. That's the price you got to pay. More than that, I don't want to associate a gift with suffering. Right. Okay, how can you call something a gift? It's, it's contingent on suffering. I'll tell you what, boys. We're going on a special trip to Wonderland. Right. Wow, that's great. And I got a special minibus to take all of you. Wow, that's great. Now, just know, when you get on the minibus, the bus driver's a very mad guy. He's a pedophile. And when you walk on the bus, he's going to kick you where it hurts. And you're going to be like in a bent over position for a half an hour. But it's going to be a great trip to Wonderland, right? Well, I guess there's three things you have to acquire with suffering. You know, call it three things, but don't call it a gift. Don't call it a gift. So we're going to give you a beautiful mushal of the Dubna Magid, which if you remember nothing else from this year, just like last week, the the number 402 bus and the number 318 yeah. bus. Even if you didn't remember anything else from this year, it was worthwhile to remember that story and the message. So we're going to have one of those again tonight with a mashal of the Dubna Magid. There once was a very poor Jew. He had a lot of, uh, he had a wife and a lot of children and he has to go snoring for money and people have to have rachmonis on him and give him a little this, a little that. And one day the wife comes to the husband and says, my dear husband, we're not making it on pennies, on handouts. We can't go on. You've got to be brave, my husband. Go to the big city, stay there for a few months, see if you can make something. In a big city there's jobs, and you collect money, and then you'll come back and things will be better. So his husband going to go and find So he's no, nothing. He, he takes a one suitcase, he packs with his pajamas and his clothes and his CPAP machine. <laughs> Everything else he has to take with himself with his broken down uh, luggage. And he goes. He leaves the little village. And he has to go through a very thick forest. He's going many hours and it gets dark on him. And he begins to hear scary noises. You get a little bit afraid. And he just finds a little... It's dark already. So he sees like a little uh, nook of some stone and it looks like a little place he can go in and there's a little another stone. So he's going to put the stone in a little bit to protect himself and he'll sleep for the night. Goes to sleep, fine. Then the next morning, he doesn't know when it's morning, he pushes the stone out and the sun comes in. And he looks, and really he didn't realize he had gone into the entrance of a small cave. Mm-hmm. And he looks in the cave, and he's seeing treasures, mm-hmm. gold and silver and banknotes and this <laughs> and that. And 
Unmarked. All, all, all kinds of things. Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And he's beginning to realize that this is a robber's hideout where they hide the loot. So he immediately gets a, a fear grips him. Oh no, they were going to be coming back soon. I better get out of here. He picks up the luggage. He says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm getting out of here to do what? To go to the big city to try to find a way to make money. Hmm. Ha! Wait a minute. This is my lucky day. All I got to do is it's from criminals anyway. It ain't going back. I could steal from a Ghanav. No problem. I'm going to take as much gold and diamonds as I, unmarked bills as I can. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's he going to take it with? Oh. 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 He's got a big suitcase with very valuable pajamas. He's a CPAP Whatever. So he has to think. So what does he do? He says, what an idiot. What a soul, what the pajamas. How much is everything in the suitcase worth? $100, $200, a poor man. It's not like he has designer clothes. He says, you know what? I'll get, I'll get one, one, one piece of underwear, maybe my toothbrush. And that's it. I'm just throwing everything out and I'm putting all the diamonds in there. Makes a lot of sense, no? Yeah. That's the motion. What's the name of Shulman? <laughs> okay. We think that if Hashem wants to give us gifts, he has to hurt us? No. Hashem wants to give you everything in this world. You want Oilam Haba? Hashem says, it's there for the taking. You want to be with Sadiqim with crowns on your head? Go take it. You want to have Torah? Why not? If the door is open. The Torah is a wonderful. You want go take the Torah. You want Eretz Yisrael, Olam Haba. It's there. Ah, but there's one little problem. If you want to get the Torah and Eretz Yisrael and Olam Haba, there's one little condition. You got to empty out the junk in your suitcase from all the junk that's filled in there that you think is so valuable. And when you throw out the junk, then you can bring in Eretz Yisrael, Torah, and Oilam Haba, which means you have to break with the past, which really means, and this is point number four, Marshall the that Steve looked ahead of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Empty your suitcase from clothes so there's room for diamonds. Remove the status quo in your life in order to make room for the greatest gift, which is Hashem. Says the Chavos Havavos in source number four, just like fire and water cannot be contained together in one receptacle, so too can love of Hashem and love of this world be contained in the heart of the people. I mean, cannot. No. I should have said, well, you know what I meant. Yeah. Cannot. Let's just add that in over there. Cannot. What does this mean to say? Eilam Hab is there for the taking. Torah is for But what about our habits? 
What about the way we're used to living our lives? We filled our suitcases with a certain lifestyle, a certain way of evaluating certain things. And it's like, uh, it's like the story of the, uh, the pauper who says, you know, if I'm going to be a rich man, you know what the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to make buildings all have only one floor and not more than one floor. He says, why? Because, you know, when you collect money, it's so hard to go up <laughs> to the fifth floor. So I'm going to make every house one floor. He says, you idiot, when you're a rich man, you don't got to collect money anywhere. Okay? And that's, 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 that's the idea. The Shari Chuvin source 6 says, habit becomes second nature. And as the Sefer HaChinuch expands, and it's like the sages say that much habit is what is behind nature. Meaning to say that just like nature constrains a man to what it wants, so too does a strong habit repeat itself like a persistent nature that constrains him to always go in the way of the habit. It's not easy to change the way you've done things in your life. So let's give a, a good example of this. The Gemara in Nida. I'm not going to read it all inside, but it tells you the life of a fetus inside the womb. And it tells us a number of things. It says, for example, it's there inside the womb and the angel teaches it all the Torah. Mm -hmm. And then when it goes out of the world, the angel gives it a smack on the mouth. He forgets his Torah. (coughs) And Rabbeinu Bechaya in source number 9 says this is the reason why children, a baby cries when they come into the world because they forgot their Torah. <laughs> but you got to understand what about a Goyish kid? All right, it's a question on that, but they have their own Torah. There's another Medrash in source number 10 that says you know why he's upset? Because he's leaving the comforts of the home that he was in. He's, he's, he's lost the world that he was in. Yeah. So what, is that, what does that mean? Well, the question is, well, I could understand maybe, you know, he had all this story, he forgot it. Okay, but to say he's, he's lost the world he's in, so I guess you'd say, well, you know, because it's a pretty good life. As the Maranita explains, it's a life without worries. Yeah. It eats, doesn't have to worry about food. Doesn't have to worry about drink. Doesn't have to worry about the dirty diapers. Get all the Torah. Right? But as well, it says in source number eight, it says, what's the child like? What's his position? What do we call it? The fetal position. Uh, I got too much uh, girth (laughs) over here to show it. But you can understand, it's not a comfortable position. It's not that, you know, like this, like the whole time. You get a chance to get out. You should be happy. Just like a guy to get out of jail. What are you crying about? So says the Toldos Adam, in source number 11, 
He says a, a person can be in jail. But if you get used to being in jail, it's hard to change your habits. And when he leaves his jail, he'll cry because he lost his world. And there are many people, when they get out of jail, they just get themselves back into jail. Because, you know what? It's, you can get used to living such a lifestyle. Right? A lot of times you can't succeed because everything was taken care of you. We see the power of habit is so strong. Once a person is in that habit, there's no way you're going to change it, even if you know that there are deficiencies in it. Whatever, there's all kinds of habits. Well, some people have a habit they like to eat a lot. It tastes good. Just get in a habit. You know, whatever. Dif- sleep in. Dif- sleep in, whatever. Different habits. But once a person succeeds and uproots that habit that's not good and lives normally, he starts wondering, how could I have been so stupid to have lived that way for so long? Now, let's give another example that Toldos Adam says. What is the one thing that scares many people most? If I have to say, what, it's not in the source sheet. If I have to say, what's your greatest fear? Death. Oh. And that's what's getting some people anxious now. COVID did a good job of that. And now uh, some people are getting very anxious. And uh, so why? Let's get into a little bit of the psychology. I know. I know and change. Well, first you could say, uh, you could say, you know, first of all, life is good. I don't want to lose it. Right? And, uh, but on the other, wait a minute, but you're going to go to Alabama. Yeah? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know. And more than this, wait a minute, isn't this world difficult? You know, you know, you get into all kinds of contending with things and all these tests and suffering and things like that. And it's a constant life with fear and disappointments, as Kohala says. On the other hand, Olam Haba is like, so, his mom's great. No eating, no drinking, just sit relaxed. Yeah, but what if I die and go to Gehenna? <laughs> well, that's not so bad. It's only a year, so, you know, it's, it'll end in a year. Then you'll go to Olam Haba anyway. But at the end of the day, isn't Olam Haba a lot better than this world? Now, we're not suggesting we should commit suicide. We don't know. But what are we afraid of dying? So what... What's going to be so bad when you die? You miss your loved ones. It's a change of routine. Oh, the answer is, but I'm not used to being an island mob. I'm used to being alive. And since I'm used to it, I prefer life than island mob. Think about it. Think about it. That's what I was saying at, at one drush last week. I don't remember when. I said... You know, I said, you know, well, people are in Israel and this and that. You know, should they stay? Oh, yeah, I was talking to one mother who said, I'm, I'm just filling my, fulfilling my motherly obligation. That's the way she said it, which is, I think it's beautiful. As a mother, am I not supposed to be worried about my child? He's in Eretz Yisrael. As a mother, forget about it. As a mother, don't have an obligation. I said, listen, and this was a woman who's pretty balanced, like not like crazy worried in this, you know. (laughs) 
So I said, either one or two things are going to happen. They're going to be great. Number one, nothing will happen. And he'll learn. That's great. And if he dies, he's going straight to Elam Habba. So, so, <laughs> I, knew, I knew who I was talking to. Okay. I wouldn't say it to every mother. You know, you got to know who you're talking to. This is like a tough, sensible person. I said, you're right. Thank you. I might just did my obligation to ask and you didn't know what to do. Because that's the fact. He's learning good in yeshiva. No matter what's going to happen, if you send him back, he's not going to learn so good. That's all there is to it. But he'll be alive. Well, first of all, 99%, nothing's going to happen. So far, every kid that's been in yeshiva during all the wars from 67 on, as far as I know, to the best of my knowledge, no yeshiva bakr while learning Torah. Not talking not about a kid instead of learning Torah goes to Ben Yehuda every night. If you're learning Torah, I don't know of any kid who got killed in a bomb that hit the yeshiva, destroyed the yeshiva. I don't know of any. Okay, especially in Yerushalayim. So the odds of it happening or not. And if it does, so what's so terrible? He died on Kiddush Hashem. Mom is straight. You never know what could happen. He could be, go back to Canada. He could do Averos. <laughs> that, that's pragmatic. But nobody thinks that. <laughs> Why? Because, what do you mean? I'm used to this routine. Routine is, I have a kid to worry over. And I'd rather worry over my kid. Or protect my kid. Okay, we're not, we're not, we're not blaming anybody. We're not. All I'm trying to bring the point is that we. And there's a word for this. You know, it's the fancy word. It's called homeostasis. Yeah. Everyone prefers the homeostasis. Don't rock it, even though the new thing will be ten times better. And what do we know? That when we're the homeostasis is more powerful than the truth. We would prefer to stay in the situation we're in than to improve our lot. Yeah, better the devil you know. And this is what Hashem is saying to Avram Avinu. Hashem is saying, I'm the owner of the, of the city. I'm the owner of the palace. All good comes from me. I created it. If I give you, you know it's going to be good. And if I don't give it to you, it's not going to be good. I'm telling you, Avram, it's worth it to break your homeostasis and get away from it. You'll benefit in so many ways. I'll make you into a big nation. I will bless you. You will be a blesser. All these things. I'm going to give the brachas, not from anybody else. It sounds so good, but you know how hard it is? Even if you know the almighty God himself will tell you something, you still can't change the homeostasis. You know there's Gan Eden. You know there's Olam Haba. And still we're too afraid of leaving this world. This is the common denominator that every Jew, if you want to be a Jew and live like a Jew, this point, you have to be like Avram. That was the first test. And that's why the measure says, I don't know if it's any less than the last test. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
that uh, it, it's not easy. Knowing the truth is not easy to, to stop doing things. Has, have any of us done an Avera lately or ever in our lives? And, and, and why? You know God's not happy with that. But it's going to rock the boat a little bit. You know, going to rock the boat a little bit. And uh, it's hard to empty the suitcase. You know, it's like, you know, there's this thing. Um, I don't know, there must be a name for it. You know, people who never throw out things. Hoarders. 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 Yeah, yeah. You ever been into a hoarder's house? My wife has. She told me, it's terrible. <laughs> they just can't get rid of anything. And the whole place is a junk pile. And if you buy something nice, you can't find it. And they just can't be able to get rid of it. The homeostasis is so powerful. In Hebrew, we call it hergel. It's not a good English translation besides homeostasis. You're so used to this routine. You just can't think of life being any different. Okay. And Hashem is saying, for you to be a Jew, you have to be willing to break loose of that. You have to empty your suitcase because I have diamonds to put in. And emptying the suitcase means are you prepared to change the homeostasis? And as years of experience have showed me in my life and in guiding people, the biggest stumbling block, most people aren't prepared to empty out the suitcase. And Avram says, I'm emptying it out completely. Everything, completely. I'm emptying every part of my suitcase, I share. And you're, and I don't even know for sure what's happening, but you're telling me it's going to be amazing, okay? And I don't think he doubted Hashem, I, you know. But just, just, just can't, right? Now it's uh, it's interesting that you see that as he leaves, Lot follows him along. And uh, they go to Egypt, and they come back, and they're very wealthy. Something that Lot never really experienced in his life. And he starts enjoying the good life, and everything changes. He's got new habits that he didn't have before. You know, a lot of times people say, you know, I'd be much more religious. I would, I would learn more Torah. But, you know, I'm so busy. It's so hard. There's so many difficulties. So I can barely make a living. If Hashem would give me more money and make my living easier, I'd learn more Torah. The answer is for sure that ain't going to happen. <laughs> if anything, you're going to learn less Torah from that. The challenge of wealth, the test of wealth is much worse than anything else. And Avram Avinu sees the change in Lot right away. And he said, I know I can't be with this guy. Okay. And just like Avram was able to cut himself off from the past, he realizes he has to cut himself from Lot as well. It's very important. So let's go back to these three gifts. Hashem wants to give us three gifts. Three gifts. Torah. It's there for the taking. It doesn't cost you anything. Nowadays, you know, people, for young people, they even pay them to learn. Yeah. 
You go. You don't have to pay money. Maybe for your kids to go through high school costs a lot of money. But for an adult, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to learn Torah. It's it's easier than ever to be able to learn Torah. Everything's in English. Download this, that, on the train, wherever you are. Torah is for the taking. It's a gift. No strings attached. Is no. Ah, but your suitcase is full of electronic equipment, social media, other things, uh, uh, hockey night in Canada, whatever. I guess those are the whatever yates or horrors that women have that I don't want to even suggest. Because if you learn Torah, you have to do what you learn. One second. But but the problem is you don't want to empty out the suitcase. Now, would you call empty? So for the, what is it saying? Emptying out a suitcase is painful. It's not that God is clubbing you over the head. The most painful thing to do is to change the homeostasis. The routine in life, that's part of who you are. I can't change the routine. Well, God says, well, if you don't change it, what can I do? I can't, I, I, I want to give it to you. It's here. But what your routine is, you know, Sunday night you play cards with your friends. Monday night you watch the hockey game. Tuesday night you have rack and ball. Wednesday night you have crochet. Well, what's wrong with you? Okay, I guess you're one of these guys. Okay, that's fine. You know, and Thursday you go this and Friday. I just got Well, you know, if, if you got to, that's suffering. You want to go to Eretz Yisrael. It's there. I mean, forget about the war right now. But it's there. Aliyah, they're, beg- they're begging you to come. They're trying to make it as easy as possible. Get these all Allah uh, benefits. No stopping you. Usually there aren't wars. <laughs> okay, but what's stopping you? You know what's stopping you? My 3,000 square foot homers. The fact is, everything just works so well. I got a job that I'm really trained to have good over here. If I go to that show, I got to empty out the whole suitcase. I don't know if I, I can't even speak the language so well and I'm not comfortable with that and, and I, I don't know what kind of job I get and this and that and all these things. What a gift! Ah, but it's gonna, it's gonna be so painful to, to give up everything I'm used to to go into a new life. And Oilam Haba, oh, it can be nothing better than Oilam Haba, but Oilam Haba has a real different currency. You can't take all the money in the bank and buy yourself some oil Mabba. So this is why we start with Avram Avinu at this point. Why? Because until this point, he didn't have to empty any suitcases out. And you may ask, why? What do you mean he didn't have to empty any suitcases out? Well... The truth is, he didn't. Why? I'm going to leave that for a little bit later on because I have to tell a story before I get to that. I have to, but that is, we're going in that direction. Now you may think he maybe had to take out some suitcases, but not necessarily. So let's share a very fascinating story that helps us understand this test of lechlocha even on another level. But this is the main first main point. To be a Jew, 
your visa to being a Jew is you have to be prepared to leave the homeostasis away and put your trust in Hashem. If you can't do that, you're not acting like a child of God. That's all. Forget it. Now, this, this, and, and, and that, everyone's suitcase is packed different than the next one. Yeah. Avram had a certain suitcase. Whatever was in the suitcase, we're not expecting you to have the same suitcase. But the common, we all have a suitcase. And to be able to live as a Jew, you got to get rid of the suitcase. And anyone who wants their Judaism to be a Judaism with everything in the suitcase, it's going to be a falsification of Judaism and the benefits will not be accrued to you. You just can't. This is, this is the main core point. So now let's, let's share an interesting story. I, I don't have, I have the details, but not specific names. Anyway, there was a, a college, a university was uh, making a big, uh, for graduates and there. So they wanted to do a longitudinal studies, whatever. They wanted to, dis- to go through the uh, topic of the course was, how can you be a millionaire? And they had the students interview 250 millionaires and ask them a lot of questions. What did you do to be a millionaire? What's your lifestyle like this and that? And take all the results and see what are the common denominators of all these millionaires. So after the study was concluded, there was one common denominator without fail. All these fellows approximately spent 50% of their time in the business. The main focus was destroying the competition. Okay, in all kinds of ways, either slandering the competition, tracking what the competition is doing, trying to undercut them, copy. It all was basically bury the competition. 50% of successful millionaires were able to do that. Ah, but here's the, 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 what do you call it? The, the, the rub, whatever you want to call it. The wrinkle. One of the 250 did not fit that mold. Did not spend any time trying to destroy the uh, opposition. So that's the real story that they wanted to understand what goes on. So they decided to look at this fellow. And this fellow uh, owned a huge network of pharmacies throughout the world. A multi-billionaire, and he had pharmacies everywhere. And they asked him, they asked him, you know, we did this research, we can't understand why are you different than everybody else. So he says, Well, you should know, first of all, I inherited a lot of this from my father. And but my father, before he died, he gave me a credo to follow. And the follow that was set yourself a goal. And make that your goal and don't look left or right. Everything has to be focused on that goal. That was the legacy of Father's. You do anything you have to do to get to that goal. And to which he said, and I did. And at that time, I would have been just like everybody else that you studied. 50% of my time is to get rid of these people. Okay. Anyway, 
That all happened until one day uh, I was invited to go on a certain uh, tour of Israel with a lot of other people. And we would uh, you know, look at the country, do archaeology and all these things. And the tour guide says, and now we're going to go to Jerusalem and this and that. And at the end of the whole trip, you're going to meet an old rabbi, Rav Nussan Svi Finkel, the Rashiva of the Mir. The dean, they don't say Rashiva of the Mir, the dean of the University of Mir. <laughs> How big is the student body? 5,000 people. So it has, must be a very broad campus. <laughs> I don't know how many people go to York University. I have no idea. No idea. But it's a, I haven't been in York University in years since I did grad work over there. It's going way back, like 30 years. But it's sprawling. Yeah. Campuses are sprawling. Yeah. Have you ever been to the mirror or just went around it? Yeah. The mirror is like three buildings on one little alleyway. Yeah. I don't know the exact numbers. Imagine 5,000 students. First of all, you have to have dormitories. You have to have millions of classrooms. You have to have a gym. You have to have swimming pool. You have to have this and that. All these things, you know. It's And 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 they said how small it was. I said, what? How can he do this, this and that? So, uh, and he warned them, you should know, he has uh, Parkinson's, so don't be... Uh, scared about this. This is not the famous story from the guy with the coffee company. That's not, I know he goes, I heard that story. This is the one I didn't hear of myself either. It's a, you have 6,000 students and all you have is 30,000 square meters. That's all they had. A half a meter, square meter for every student. <laughs> so they, uh, they asked him that first question. How can you do that? So he laughed and he, you know, very pleasantly said, you have to know, there are certain people in the world, are B'nai Adam, people, humans, and then there's Bali Chaim, animals. When an animal wants something, it doesn't look right or left. I remember the guy who's visiting, he didn't know who's visiting him, right? He does everything to get to the goal. What's the animal do? You trample on him, you this and that, until you get what you want. Okay. And there's people who are serious and they need things and they have strong desires more than animals. And they, uh, and they um, uh, are very important and respectable people. And they also try to get goals, but not as animals, but they have self-control. Okay, even though they want a lot, but they don't live in the jungle. They have ethics, they have dignity. They understand what it is to have good interpersonal relations. They understand that he's not the only person in the world. There are people around him and I'm not allowed to hurt other people. And there are people who understand I cannot hurt, I can't reach the goal on the back of other people's suffering. When a person elevates himself to that level, level, he even tries to help other people. And their whole lives, they only think, how can I help other people? He said, in my university, our students are working hard to develop themselves as people. 
and people who have self-control and care about other people. And when you care about other people, a half a square meter is about all you need. The guy said, when I came out of that, I was dizzy. I was dizzy. This rabbi taught me what it meant to be a person. And from that moment, I decided that even though I want to make a lot of money, and I spend a lot of time trying to get it, but there are certain rules that I have to follow. And I have to know, make sure of one thing, that I never lose my humanity mm-hmm. in order to reach those goals. Okay. Well, Avram is about to build up the Jewish people, and we are told to go in God's ways and to cling to Hashem, to be divine people. Avram lives in a world that's controlled by Nimrod, that has the philosophy of the generation of the dispersal. They all speak one language, but they all have their own self-interest, as we said last Shabbos morning. Their, their lives are really based on what it says in Pirkei what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine, but outwardly I can't let anybody know that. All the generations until Avram got Hashem more upset, Hashem more upset. And Hashem is yearning to finally have some human beings on the planet. But there aren't any human beings. They all act like animals. And Avram Avinu has to go against all this. And he has to develop an amuna that says, Olam chesed yibana, the world is created with kindness. Okay. So now, and therefore, the world was filled with animals where their whole focus was me and I'll get what I need to get. And Avram was the first one to think about others. Okay. But, so what is this story helping us? Now we're going to explain something very fascinating that many of you may not be aware of. We're going to skip the Kliyokar for now. We're going to go to the second page. I'll bring you a few interesting sources. Source number 13. The Zohar says, Avram served Hashem with the attribute of kindness, Yitzhak served Hashem with the attribute of judgment, and Yaakov with the attribute of Tiferes, which is mercy or truth. Says the Shvilei Pinchas, he says, one of the fundamentals of Hasidus is that every Jew is obliged to serve Hashem, not only according to his nature and essence, but also against his nature. And Rebbe Elimelech of Lijinsk says, a person was created in this world only in order to break his nature. Okay, let's skip 16 for a minute and go to the Yativ Leif. And this is what's going to make you a little bit, uh, what? I didn't know that. Avram champions Chesed. Here's the question. Was that his nature? That's my question, yeah, exactly. Was that his nature? Says the Yitiv Leif, if it was his nature, then what did he accomplish? <laughs> if he was born of wanting to do chesed, he didn't accomplish anything in his life. <laughs> right? We're forced to say he was born with a cruel character. And with his avod and good deeds broke his aspect and nature from one extreme to the other to become a person bestowing kindness 
to give, to eat, and drink, to learn, and to teach. And it's very interesting. Now, in other words, what he's saying is he was not a kind guy. He was, if we look at using Kabbalistic terms, he was not a man of Hesed. He was a man of Gvura. Now, let's have a few examples of this. Um, everybody, everybody believed in idols. Now, a Hesed kind of person would just go along with the crowd. He was very argumentative. He says, why do you do that? He's really pain in the neck with most people. So what are you worshiping that for? It doesn't do anything for you. And he wasn't exactly polite about it. <coughs> when his father said, will you watch the shop for a, a few hours? What does he do? He takes an axe and breaks all of the uh, idols and puts the axe in front of one of them and says, he beat up all the others. And Fred says, you crazy, you don't believe that. Did you hear what you said, Dad? You're selling that to people. Avram was an ornery person. Mm -hmm. Very combative. Not a friendly guy at all. And that's the kind of guy that can stand up against the whole world. And therefore, if that was his nature, so... He was, what, what's the word? Be, like anti-establishment. Gura, what do you mean? I'm not, just because everybody, I'm just going to roll over and listen to this garbage. Oh, just be quiet, be quiet. Don't rock the boat. Things will be good. I'm not interested in things being good. This is bad and I'm going to speak out against it. That's not, that's not kindness. That's Gura. And that's what he was. So, so what was the big test? To speak out against the establishment and to run into hiding because of it? Well, that's what his nature was. They said, you know, you're a, a little bit too uh, nonconformist. We're going to throw you into the fire. No problem. I'm not afraid to die. Is that Hesed or Vura? He didn't step out of his homeostasis at all. And he has his opinions about God. But what's his opinion of God coming from? Chesed or Gvura? He's a Gvura guy. So he understands, and he's smart. So he says, there is a master of the planet Oh, boys, you're all going to burn in hell one day. And I'm, gonna, I'm willing to die for this cause. Because there's a God who he's the boss, and there'll be retribution, and that's Gvura, and I've got the control that I'm not going to be an idol worshiper because I know it's not the truth, and I'm not afraid, and justice will be served to the world. And that's the God that I believe in. Well, one thing is he's a heck of a lot better than everybody else on the planet. And of course, if you believe in that God, you're not going to steal from people, obviously. So God says, you know, you're the best chance I got on this planet. But man, you ain't ready to be a Jew yet. <laughs> For you to be a Jew, you got to break your habits. Even though some of your habits are quite nice. Right. <laughs> But until you can break your habits, you can't be a Jew.
Because being a Jew is all about breaking your habits. Being a Jew is improving your mitos. Being a Jew is, uh, what's the Latin word? Imitato dei. Mm -hmm. To emulate a Kaddish Baruch Hu. To emulate a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Whoever you are, you got to change your habits. We could call you a very moral human being. But you're not a divine human being. Not divine at all. You don't even have not begun to understand what a divine human being can be. And to be a Jew, you've got to be able to go against your own nature. That's what being a Jew is about. And that's what Avram has to do. And therefore, there's nothing to say that we need to know about Avram until he's 75 years old. <laughs> You're going to say, oh, we're, we're not afraid of the Palestinians. We're going to fight them. I said, that's it? That's all you can say about your Yiddishkeit? Have you, done, have you done anything against your nature as a Jew? Then you haven't even begun to be signed up as a Jew. I mean, you're halachically a Jew. I'm not saying you're not halachically a Jew. But to be, to be like an Avram Avinu, to be what a Jew's supposed to be, you haven't begun. So therefore, what the first thing, and this, and this is what's unique about everybody's suitcase. Avram's suitcase was full with a lot of gvura. And a lot of other things. He was not an easy guy to get along with. Right? And now God says, I want to give you so many beautiful things. Because at least you're a moral person. But a moral person is still not a Jew. A Jew is one who says, I will not follow my habits. If you want to imitate God, God doesn't have any bad habits. And he doesn't have to struggle with them. He created us to overcome our bad habits and to begin, become godly. So if you're looking at who is a Jew, so to speak, who is a good Jew, it's not necessarily the one who's a Talmud Chacham, not necessarily. It's someone who says, you know what, I have a bad habit and the Torah doesn't frowns upon that and I'm going to change it. That's an Avram Avinu type of a Jew. And that's the kind that we have to have. So it really comes out that up to this week's parsha, Avram Avinu is like Noah in a certain way. And guess what? Noah himself couldn't change the homeostasis either. He wasn't Sadi, but he really couldn't go out of his. What he had to do was to go out and the opposite, challenge everybody more, push them more. No, he wasn't that kind of guy. He said, let me just, well, I'll do it, but just keep me out of the line. Couldn't do that. Lech Lecha, everything in this parsha means Avram has to change his nature. And therefore, as you remember, we talked a little bit about the spheros. We start with Keser, Chachma, Bina, and Das. Keser is the overall will. Chachma is the knowledge. Bina is um, trying to understand that knowledge, what will happen because of that knowledge, and then Das living in the reality of that knowledge. Now, Avrams didn't have any of the real deal of what we call the real Keser, the real Chachma, the real Bina, the real Das. Because 
It was only on what he thought makes sense. It's not God's understanding. So what's the first thing God, what's happening in this, this Parsha? God says, it's time to empty out your suitcase of the wrong kesed, the wrong chachma, the wrong bina, the wrong das. You've got some good, you know, you've got some scruples. You know, you know it says, more says, Hashem only gives chachma to someone who has chachma. <laughs> what does that mean? There's something that like zero chachma. Like, don't waste your time even trying to get the guy anywhere. Guy's got chachma, but it's not refined. God can try to give you more. Okay, there's hope with this guy. Maybe we could do something. Now, Noah also had hope, but he didn't, he didn't live up to it for whatever reasons we're not going to get into now. But Hashem says, okay, I think he could do it, but I'm going to have, and this is what the tests were. The tests were to challenge his homeostasis based on his chachma, bina, and das, and his overall keser, his overall worldview. And how would that change? Where God, everything God tested him in this week's parsha made no sense. Everything that Avram had, every test means get this out of the suitcase, get this out of the suitcase, throw that out of the suitcase. Now, what's in your suitcase? What do we all have in our suitcase? Artsakha, the land. You know, it's, it's nice being in uh, Canada, America. At least they speak the language you understand. You want to go to Israel? <laughs> I know, I'll go to Netanyahu where they all speak English. No, one day you got to deal with the government and it's in Hebrew and it's not easy. One day you got to hire a worker, it's in Hebrew, it's not easy. You know, you got you to, you to, to, to switch countries is not easy. Mm-hmm. Go away from your family and your friends, your friends will always be able to help you out. You know, that's another piece of uh, stuff in your suitcase. Close family, it's also in your suitcase. They're holding you back. Holding you back. All these things doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense according to your homeostasis. It doesn't make sense. Who in the world would leave his home? After all, I'm I'm bringing people to God. You're not bringing people. You're bringing people to your understanding of God, but not the real God. You don't know the real God yet, because you haven't given up anything from your suitcase. Now you're better than everybody else, but you're far away from the real truth. Because it's 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 overshadowed by your schema of your faults. Every one of the tests, he has to leave. What do you mean? My family's here, I'm successful, everything's going well, I'm developing a great care of organization. Yeah, but it's not to God, the real God, it's the God that you think is God. You're gonna have to leave and do that, and then and then and guess what? And when you come to Israel, there's gonna be no rain over there, by the way. And just stay there. No, no, I, I think it makes sense I should go back. No, no, you wanna you wanna fill your suitcase again with the same garbage you just threw out? Mm-hmm. No, no, you're gonna go to Egypt. Egypt Oh he didn't tell him to go to Egypt, but either either however you wanna learn. Stay here or go to I can't go back? No, you can't because we gotta remember that was the homeostasis. You gotta go away from that. Well the only choice is Egypt, that's really your worst place. Well, okay. Let's see what happens. Wow, you became a multimillionaire by going to Egypt. Huh? How did that happen? You understand? You understand what's going on over here? Everything that's going on, that he has, he has to marry Hagar, and all these things, this is things he don't want. To, 
everything that God, every test was illogical. Lotus Capture is going to fight the most important kings in the world. So he said, I can't. You know, I, I fight, but I don't fight to lose. They can outrun me and outgun me. I just don't have one other soldier. Just go. You'll see. It'll work out. Yeah, how did he know that God would tell him the invention of gunpowder? And all of a sudden, he's throwing sand and boom, blowing everybody up. And then he becomes one of the greatest generals in the history of the world. So after a whole parsha of getting his Chachma Bina Das in order, ah, now you're beginning to understand. You, you, you've really emptied out that suitcase. But I got one last thing, buddy boy. <laughs> you know that, uh, that reproductive organ over there? We're going to do a little job on that. What? Now nobody's going to like me. I go to the bathhouse and go, hmm? Wait, nobody, nobody did such a thing like that. That's nuts. Shem says, listen, that's the deal, man. You want to empty out the suitcase? <laughs> it includes uh, other excess baggage. That, that's when we get to the das, to live in that reality. That means you, you always, whenever you go out, you're always different. Right? Of course, that will destroy any ability for him to reach out to anyone in the world because he is a self-maimed person. <laughs> How will anybody ever want to have me talk to them about God? Just, let's, let's talk about religion in the bathhouse. Mm. <laughs> he did it. Now, after Chachma Bina Das, what's the next fear? Come on, guys. You should know this. What's the next one? What? Chesed. Boom. Now we go to Parshas Vayera. What's the first story? The angels. He's running. He's doing Chesed. Not in a human way. In a superhuman way. Why? Because now, now, remember you, Mr. Gvura, you would never think to run after people do Chesed. Now you're going to understand what your real calling is, Avram, to be the man of chesed. And now you never would have done that. You think you would invite people over? He got into theological debates in Harvard. <laughs> He'd go to uh, Oxford you know, and debate them. Or he'd do rallies and, and rip down their idols. That's how he... Wanted to bring people. And he got some uh, rabble-rousers to join him. Hashem said, that's not the way I want you to impact on the world. Not, not initially and not mainly. And he changed to such an extent that instead of being the big man of Gvura, he became the puppy of Gvura. Oh, did he? But he what? Chesed. Now, now that's a patriot. That's a Jew. That's a Jew. Now, when he emptied out the suitcase, he filled it with Chachma, Bina, Das, and Chesed. <laughs> and you were afraid no one will come to you? Everyone will come to you now. And now in this Parsha, we get all the Chesed. In the next Parsha, Vaera. Yeah. And now what are all the... Now he's totally changed. He totally changed his personality. He now is puppy dog. Puppy dog Avram. Chesed. Running after people. 
It's unbelievable. People would come at Avram's, uh, you know, uh, Ur-Kazdim reunion after 75 years, whatever happened to Avram. Look at him. He's home hospitality. We thought he was going to be uh, one of these guys taking over university campuses. Avram, is that you? Yes, it is. Because what was he able to do? You were able to change your habit. Whoa, that's that's amazing. And of course, okay, we're running short on time, but we have to just do one more thing. So then, so then, what about? So then, what became the the tests now after the story of the of the angels? Mm-hmm. Now he's chesed. Now this is this is who you're supposed to be. Tested against chesed. Wait a minute. Now you spent twenty five years. Of your life. First of all, it tells you no matter how old you are, you can get rid of the luggage. At 75, he begins getting rid of the luggage. So after 25 years, he's got now the right luggage. <laughs> then Hashem says, amazing. We want you to know, sometimes you're going to have to go and go back, get some of that luggage you threw away. <laughs> well, let me get this straight. I just came into this cave, I got rid of all my pajamas, and I got all the gold in there. Yeah, that's right. And that was good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're smart. You got the gold now. And now what do you want me to do? Go back into the cave and get rid of some of those diamonds and get pajamas? Yeah, that's what I want you to do. Really? Yeah. Because even when you're in a better homeostasis, there's no such thing as homeostasis. Even good homeostasis isn't a good homeostasis. Even divine homeostasis, you know why? Because God, you have to be a master of more than one homeostasis. What are all the tests in next week's Parsha? To not be kind. Would never been a test before Parsha's Lech Lecha. But now it's a test. Now it's a test. I thought I got rid of that. I don't have to buy. It's not good anymore. I began to not even like this grower business. Oh no no no! You got to throw throw your uh, wife out of the house. You got to throw your son out of the house. And you got to kill your beloved. That's a Jew. So I don't know which. I don't know what's the bigger test: the first or the last. The first one. I had to change my homeostasis. You know how hard that is. But the second is you gotta change the homeostasis back to really no homeostasis. Because yeah. whatever you tell me to do, I gotta do. Well, at the end of the day, that is the, the, the harder thing to do. But the first one was plenty hard to do as well. And, 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 and what are those real challenges? Those challenges are exactly the, the luggage is lech lecha, me'artzacha, umimolatcha, umibezavicha. The excess baggage somewhere is found in your country where your country really gives you honor. May Artsakha, where you feel security with others from your family, security, love of money. But then there's one last one Lech Lecha. The biggest baggage is inside of you. And therefore, what does Hashem say? What's, what's going to happen then if you trust me? I will make you into a great nation. Okay? And that means you don't gotta, you'll, you'll have lots of honor. And I will bless you, you'll have lots of money. 
right? Or, 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 and, and you'll have a great name. All those things you're afraid of. But finally, you will be a blesser, says the Kliyakar. You'll be the source of blessing to everybody else in the world. Because the biggest baggage is in our own lives. The false understandings of who we are. Because habit has convinced us, this is who I am. And when God says, don't do that, he says, no, but that's who I am. Some says, you're making a mistake. That's who you think you are. But you really can be so much more. This is our homework. Everyone has to check your suitcase and see what you're ready to get rid of. Thank you for being so patient.